Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Cricket World Cup Wrap here on the Top Order Podcast. The top of the table, India going up against the bottom of the table, England overnight. Who would have thought we'd be saying that two-thirds of the way through the tournament? Round six of matches almost completed. It's India versus England on the wrap with Baldy and Raj. All that and more coming up after the swishes. Well, good morning to you again, Raj. You like that? I like that. Top of the table versus the bottom of the table. I like it apt. It was. Well, almost inexplicably, England through five games of this Cricket World Cup, sitting stone motherless last on the table. Who would have thought that going into the tournament? Certainly most punters would have favoured England to be at the other end, at the pointy end of the table, rather than propping up the bottom. But we are where we are in this Cricket World Cup. And and as uh, the saying often goes, you, you are what your record is. And, and England have been struggling in this World Cup. No different overnight against India, Raj. Yeah, no different at all. I was one of those punters, <clears throat> excuse me, who was uh, predicting an England victory in, uh, you know, this 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 entire the tournament in its entirety. Um, once again, have been humbled, um, um, extremely actually. Uh, so yeah, so I don't know where to start with this game. I guess. Well, let's England... start. Let's start with the toss, Raj, because England have won the toss again. Mm-hmm. They've lost seven out of eight chasing going into this game. They win the toss and they send India into bat again. Almost inexplicable to me that they've got this track record of not winning games chasing totals and yet they persist with winning the toss and fielding first. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure what the conditions were, were like at the time of the toss and what they were predicted to be towards the end if there was going to be a, a dewy situation that might have made it easier to bat at night. Um, but it may just have been the fact that they didn't want India to chase because India love chasing and they have proven that they are very, very hard to beat chasing. However, they're also hard to beat when they are setting and have their bowling attack to squeeze uh, squeeze when they when they can, when they need to in the second innings there. But um, just going back to the, the start of the game, I actually thought England started really well. Their bowlers at the top, uh, Wokes and, and Willie, uh, especially bowled quite tightly. Uh, there was one over that sort of went uh, to the boundary a little bit, but I thought they bowled well with the new ball, and that's key. We, Binksy has spoken about how that's key with those kind of bowlers. Don't have the likes of Jofra Archer at the top of the top of the innings or through the innings with a bit of speed, but uh, with those guys, with the new ball, they did a good job, I thought. I thought they were fantastic. Chris Wokes looked like a different Chris, Chris Wokes. Uh, David Willey supported him beautifully, bowled a couple of maidens there at the top, and England looked like they were having fun again. I... Stopped watching the game, sort of 15, 16 overs in. I fell asleep watching that England bowling performance. But I thought England had found their mojo again. They'd they'd found the fun. They were enjoying themselves in the field. Their attitude in the field was fantastic. I think their first wicket really came about. Oh, sorry, the Coley wicket, sorry, should I say, came about because of attitude in the field. They kept Coley on strike. Milan, the, the couple of balls before, stopped a brilliant uh, lacing cover drive from Coley that should have gone for four. And the pressure started to build and all of a sudden Coley was none off eight, decided he had to do something different and hold out to Ben Stokes in mid-off. So I thought a really spectacular uh, start for England to have mm. India under pressure early doors. You know, when, when I uh, was dismissed off his hook shot, uh, mm. India were in a bit of trouble at 40 for three. And there was a, um, a little bit of a emotion showing as well, which England clearly wanted this victory. They were clearly up for it. And, you know, I thought they executed well, definitely at the start. Um, however, then 
Rohit Sharma and uh, K.L. Rahul put together a, a really good partnership, actually. And I actually thought that, you know, at the 30th over, they were actually, India were actually in a good position at 130-odd um, for, for three, I think, at um, at the 30, at 30 over mark. Yeah, 100%. Sort of push, to sort of push to that, you know, 250, 270, 300 mark if things went well. Um but that wasn't to happen. Unfortunately, wickets fell throughout regularly throughout the the rest of the innings, which limited India to twenty two twenty nine. But that could have actually been less. Uh, Boomer with a Boomer with a late flurry there to get them to that two twenty nine. I really enjoyed uh, Adil Rashid's bowling. I thought he was menacing throughout his entire entire ten over spell. Um, a couple of wrongins in there were, were beautiful, and uh, the wicket that he got of. Ravindra Jadeja was uh, was very important. That, that if he had come in and been able to settle and and score runs, that's where you see India pushing over two fifty. So uh, I thought he bowled really well, Rashid. Yeah, full full of play, praise for Adil Rashid and and those guys that that bowled early doors for for England. I think India did a great job of assessing the conditions and and knowing what a good score was on that wicket. And no one did it better than than Rohit. If you have a look at his contribution, eighty seven off hundred and one. Yes, it's not quite the the swashbuckling, you know, strike rate 120 plus Rohit Sharma that we've seen in this World Cup so far. But he reverted to his previous kind of MO, which is to bat long through the innings and make sure that he set India up for success. And when they lost those first three and KL Rahul, uh, sorry, KL Rahul was in in the 12th over, he really needed to knuckle down and be that that leader for, in, uh, for India. And I thought he just did a tremendous job. And if you have a look at the scorecard for the rest of the batters, the other 21 guys in the tournament, no one got past um, no one got past 49, and his 87 proved to be a huge difference, a gulf between the two sides. Yeah, as you say, the situational awareness to just know he needs to bat, bat in partnerships and, and, and bat towards the end of the innings. Tried to explode after that 30-over mark. Um, unfortunately, wasn't to be, but a, a great innings nonetheless. That 87 really was sort of a, a match-influencing knock. Uh, if you're England, sorry, if you're India, uh, going into this break, you've scored two twenty nine. What are your thoughts going into the second innings? Well, I'm pretty happy if I'm India. I think there was a little bit in that wicket. It wasn't quite the conference room registration desk. There wasn't, you know, something with your name on it, no matter where you look. Um, but there was enough in that wicket that if they bowled well, that they could uh, do some damage to England in the same way that England did damage to India up the top. You know, there was a bit of swing there. There was a bit of seam. Adil Rashid turned the ball, and that and that proved to be what what transpired in the second half of the game. I think if I was India, though, and I was reflecting on that batting innings, I'd be slightly disappointed that they didn't go on with it a little bit more, mm-hmm. having got themselves into that good position, as you said. Um, it would have been lovely to see uh, Ravindra Jadeja come off. He hasn't had a lot of batting in this World Cup, so for him to get more than sort of 13 balls in the middle would have been an ideal outcome for them. Not to be, uh, but it turned out that uh, 229 as paltry as it looks in comparison to some of the other big scorecards in this World Cup, more than enough for that Indian bowling attack to defend. I think, and I also would, if I'm India, looking back on that innings, actually be a little... I would be focusing on those partnerships with Rahul and Sky because that is what India is going to come up against if they're playing this particular lineup with Shami batting at eight. It really exposes their lower order and having lost those wickets early, having to bat in partnerships, I think India did what they had to do, but it limited their ability to sort of, you know, go for that massive score at the end. But I think all in all, they'll be happy how they recovered. If they had lost, I think that 
there would be a different kind of kind of uh, feeling about how they how they batted. So it's interesting because winning kind of papers that over a little bit. Oh, I, co- I completely agree. I think if you were England, you'd be looking at that batting lineup and going, okay, well, if we can get six wickets, we can we we're we're a bit of a chance to run through. Uh, the last four for India. Not to say that they're all number 11s, but you, you feel like that's the only weakness in this Indian side if they play the same balance that they did in this game. If you can get six, you can open up an end and then you can work on making sure that you exploit that as much as you can. But as it turned out, they they padded beautifully Rahul and then Surya Yadav uh, to get them through uh, to those later overs where they could get a, a score that proved to be more than enough against an England batting lineup that really struggled. Yep, cue the cue the music, Baldy. It's the the Shami and Bumrah show uh, in the second innings, taking seven taking seven wickets between them. Uh, the opening spells, though, I think were were the key. Shami took two two for four, two wickets for four runs in his first spell, and Bumrah two for seventeen, really knocking that that top order off. You know, Bearstow and Milan, they they jump started that innings a little bit. When first wicket fell. Uh, at 30 after almost five overs, but then it was a, a bit of a procession with uh, it ending up four for 39 after after nine overs. Uh, Joe Root, Ben Stokes, Goose Eggs, not having to trouble the scorers, 11 balls combined between them. Um, give us, I don't know if you have any prepared thoughts on the engine room of England, but uh, give us your thoughts on, on that batting performance from the top five. Well, I do. I mean, it's a, a bit of a similar story to the Indian in, in, in engine room in this first innings for them in that, you know, you have a look at Coley and you have a look at um, at Shreyas Iyer, um, you know, didn't contribute much in, in this particular fixture. Uh, but then you have a look at England, Root Nort, Stokes Nort, but 10, very, very difficult for England to chase down big totals or any total when you're not getting much from that engine room. Joe Root for me is is the is the barometer for this England batting unit because he needs to be able to bat as we said I think in the in the wrap up of this last England game between overs eleven and forty for England to be any chance as it was he kind of fell over one and, and Boomer bowled a, a delicious delivery to him to have him LBW first cherry and gone and I think England are going as Joe Root has gone in this tournament he struggled to bat for long periods of time and get him into the into most games and England have faltered as a result if you have a look at Moali batting at six Livingston Wokes Willie they're all guys who can come and finish off ice game that's been taken deep into the 40th over on their behalf by this top five for England that really just hasn't fired many shots in this tournament you go and have a look at the guys uh, that you mentioned Raj Stokes Root Butler haven't really lit up this tournament at all uh, and in their last five bats you know you have a look at Butler I don't think he's gone past 20 in his last five bats uh, Stokes has got a 40, Root's got one score, but we expect more from these England players as as chock full of talent as they are and, and as, as match winners as they are, and they just haven't performed as they would have expected of themselves so far in this World Cup, and it's hurt England's chances almost critically at this point. And just a quick note on, on, on the wicket. So it was clearly a, a hard wicket to score runs on quickly. Uh, it was more of a traditional uh, subcontinent pitch uh, that broke up in the back end of the, of the first innings, and then you know straight away, sort of in the in the second innings, hard to face spin bowling, uh, especially when it's quality spin bowling. You you almost have no chance to score quickly. Is that a good enough excuse for this performance? I feel like these days, with the amount of cricket that all of these top players play in India, I feel like uh, th- th- it's not an excuse for this kind of return from those batsmen. 
I wouldn't have thought so. I think England will reflect on this game and this whole campaign. This game is a microcosm of of their entire campaign, in that they just weren't uh, prepared as a batting unit to do the to do the hard work. They were beaten by good delivery. Sure, look, we, you have to give credit to Shami and to Bumrah. They bowled some absolute peaches, cherries. Pick your ten fruit variety, whatever you like. They bowled really, really well to this England batting lineup. And and, and look, let's face it, England had no answers in this game. And they've had very few answers so far in this World Cup. I touch wood because England have Australia next. And and based on my criticism, I'm sure the butterfly effect will have them coming out firing against Australia. But really, if you have a look at that wicket, it was a used wicket. It was used in the Australia-South Africa game two weeks ago. Yes, there were a lot of runs scored in that game. But if it's a used wicket in India, you have to expect it to have some deterioration, have some um, wear even over the course of a one-day game. So it makes the decision to bat second on that wicket against a really good Indian spin attack all the more perplexing for me. Yeah, I really, I think what was indicative of, of how this pitch played was uh, the wicket where Kuldeep Yadav just went straight through Joss Butler, going back to one, trying to play it into the offside and just the ball spitting back through the gate. Uh, it really sort of broke up and was, was starting to turn. Uh, I, I was really impressed with how both Kuldeep Yadav and, and Ravindra Dadeja bowled through that middle middle sort of period and, and again, just sort of suffocated England. We talk, we, we, We're kind of... It's interesting because I've kind of gone there and said that England, it's not sort of acceptable that they got strangled through the middle there. But you're right, when the bowling is this good, it's very hard to sort of go, you should have done better. Yeah, and and all of those England guys got starts. I mean, other than Joe Root, they all faced sort of 10 to 46 balls, I think, for Livingston. So they were all out there for a while. They all had an opportunity to get a read of the pitch. But India were that good that they didn't let them. They They had no answer to the suffocating pressure um, and that, that India's bowlers were able to bring to the fore. I mean, we praised uh, Bumrah and Shami for their terrific performances. But you have a look at Yadav and Shadeja combined, 15 overs, three for 40. That's less than uh, that's less than three runs and over through that middle period. So they were outstanding, India, and they've got both sides of the ball firing. And, and you have a look at how, how that lineup is. They only really need one side of the ball, Raj, to fire, as you say, to, to come up away with victories. But uh, even when the game's in the balance, they find something this Indian side, and, and they've just been super impressive to go 6-0 and so far. So I guess if you're England, the only sort of decisions to make going forward are which seats you'd like on the plane? Well, I mean, they're not technically mathematically out of it yet because Australia can still drop three games and finish with four wins. You know, New Zealand can still drop a few games and finish with four wins. So it's not mathematically over yet. Uh, we shouldn't be counting any chickens before they hatch. Uh, but it does look like in England at this point, with games against Australia and Pakistan to come, um, may not feature in the semi-finals. In fact, almost certainly won't. Again, touch wood that Australia can get over England on the 4th of November. But for England, it's a case, I think, of just having to find the fun. Where where was that first 10 overs in the rest of the match for England? Because that was the England side that we saw down here in, uh, in New Zealand last summer. They were a team that was enjoying playing together. Yes, they bowled well, but I think one begets the other. It's either bowling well makes it fun or, or, or having fun uh, often results in bowling well. But the fielding was up for England, and, and it's just the batting that's let them down in this case. And I think that comes back to the decision to, to bowl first when they perhaps should not have done so. 
Yeah, and then the reasons for that, I don't, I don't think we, we will know. Uh, but, you know, we've spoken a lot about how good India are chasing, um, but we've also spoken about how good India are on both sides of the ball. You can't, you can't just uh, focus on one part of their game. You've really got to outplay them in all facets of the game to, to give yourself the chance. Mm, yeah, you have to be perfect against this Indian side, and England were just a bit off with the batting, and in, and India exploited it just tremendously with mm. those spells from from Bumrah and Shami, and it wasn't a contest from then on in. It was, you know, what can we do to to limit the damage? Um, but it was yeah, it was just the India show today. They were they were just superb. Raj, are there are there any other highlights, lowlights that we want to cover from this from this India England game overnight before we look ahead to the upcoming slate of fixtures? Nothing more for me, I guess. Just just reflecting on the the Indian performance and you know them losing um, Hardik Pandya a couple of games ago, and we were like, what's going to happen with the balance for India? They've brought in Shami, and it seems like they've only made themselves stronger. Um, they really are a good side, and they're going to be be hard to beat. If if Hardik Pandya was fit, do you think he walks straight back into this side? It's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because they've got five genuine world-class bowlers at their disposal now. I do like that they have Surya Kumiyadav at six. He did really well in this in this game. Like you say, it wasn't easy to bet on. Mm. I think he does come back into the side. He gives them that extra balance. But what he actually enables them to do is to pick Ravichandra and Ashwin as well. Um, and, and I think the conversation now is, well, do we pick, in that scenario, we've got Hardik as our third seamer. Do we pick Shami and Bumrah and Hardik and Ashwin and Kuldeep and Ravindra Dadeja? And those are six bowlers that you really only want to face one of them. And he's the most devastating batter of the lot. So I think that does add a little bit more punch to their lower order with Ashwin in an eight rather than Shami. Um, so it does add a bit of better balance to their side, but they're losing nothing. By having Surya Kumi Yadav come in at number six, he was tremendous today. Yeah, no, that, that's all for me. Complete domination from India. Let's look forward to to the the game tonight, Afghanistan versus Sri Lanka. Uh, I've got a summary of bullet points here saying that uh, these teams have played each other six times in the last year, which is how I found that quite high actually. But then I remember the the Asian Cup, uh, Asia Cup. Uh, Sri Lanka's won, won four of those games. So so Afghanistan has had some success against Sri Lanka over this past year. What are you what are you looking forward to in this match? Well, I'm looking forward to see whether or not Sri Lanka are the real deal. They've they've won two on the bounce. They've beaten England and they've beaten the Netherlands. Uh, coming off the back of losses to South Africa, Pakistan, and Australia. Two of those sides are currently ensconced in the top four. But if they win tonight, Sri Lanka can go to three and three. They can get themselves to six points on the table and within sniffing distance, within touching distance of the top four. Afghanistan, if they can win tonight, they will also go three and three and could elevate themselves to within one game of the semi final. So there's so much to play for for both of these sides. Uh, not least of which for Afghanistan, this could mean their most successful World Cup. Well, it will certainly be their most successful World Cup ever and will certainly surpass, I think, even their expectations for how many games that they realistically expected to win in this tournament. If they could pull off a victory tonight against Sri Lanka or on the 3rd of November against the Netherlands, these are two huge games for Afghanistan cricket coming up. And they've got the spinners to be able to exploit these emerging conditions that we're starting to see a bit of turn in these wickets. We're starting to see ball come back into play a little bit in certain condition. So, you know, the likes of Muhammad, uh, Muhammad Nabi, Majib, 
Noor Ahmed and, of course, Rashid Khan. They should be really looking forward to this encounter. I think Afghanistan is set up beautifully for the back half of this tournament because if you have a look at some of the way these wickets play, they play pretty well in the first 10 overs. So you've got Gerbats and Ibrahim uh, to be able to get them off to flying starts and then four spinners that can really do the job uh, when those middle or back end overs offer the bowlers some turns. So there's lots to like for Afghanistan. What do you think is going to happen? What are your sort of talking points that you're looking forward to coming up tonight? Yeah, I was I was very excited to see Angelo Matthews back back uh, in the last game. I think he's a, a really good player, and he adds a lot not just uh, with his own skills. I think he's one of those guys that sort of lifts the dressing room. Um, once you see him strapping on his shoes, everybody else grows a grows a couple of feet uh, in, in that dressing room as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to Sri Lanka. I would like to see them flex their muscle a little bit. They are a, a good they are a good side that can beat Afghanistan. I want to see someone with Rama score some runs after I've talked about how, how good he's looked and he struggled to score runs after that. Um, and I'd like to see Kusol Mendes uh, do a good job skippering that side and also batting at three. I think he's done a good job um, over the last few months, let's say six to 12 months. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. It, it's one of the games which probably got a you know, lesser billing than some of the, the blockbusters we've had over the last three games, but it'll be important nonetheless. It could really uh, throw a spanner into the works uh, for that playoff pitcher, uh, with whichever side wins. Absolutely. Uh, this will be a really interesting game because those Sri Lankan players, traditionally really good players of spin against a, a really good spin bowling lineup. I think you're right. There's a lot to prove for some of those guys, both Casals um, and also that middle order. You throw Asalanka in there, Angelo Matthews. They'll have a point to prove that they can go out and score big runs in conditions that will be not unfamiliar to them. Um, they have lost Lahiru Kumara, I believe, for this encounter so that he's been replaced. I think he was excellent against uh, England in that last uh, last game for Sri Lanka, which they won. So they're going to have to find a top or uh, top top of the innings, early innings uh, partner for Madhushanka, who's been outstanding, uh, to then be backed up by their spinners. So it remains to be seen what that balance of that Sri Lanka side looks like. Uh, Raj, any other talking points before we wrap up? I think we've done it once again uh, for this morning on the Top Order Pod. No, perfect. I think I think that is that's good. I'm I'm a bit disappointed the England India game didn't provide the same sort of highs that we've seen over the the last two nights previous to that. But um, cricket was the winner on the day, nonetheless. Well, certainly India were the winner on the day against England. Uh, not a lot to like if you're an England fan of this performance so far in the World Cup. But they do have a game coming up against Australia on November the 4th, which of course means that England will be up for that game. And who knows what can happen between those two arch foes. Tonight, we look forward to another Asian encounter. Afghanistan against Sri Lanka promises to be a spicy affair, particularly between those Afghani spinners and the Sri Lankan batters. That's all from us here on the Top Order podcast for this, the 30th of October, wrapping up uh, what would it be, day 24-25 of the Cricket World Cup for men, ICC 50-over edition in India 2023. It's been great being on with you yet again, Raj. I look forward to your company again tomorrow, perhaps. Uh, but to all of our listeners and our viewers, thank you so much for tuning in to the Top Order Pod and putting up with Raj and I for 24, 25 minutes on this World Cup wrap. Take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll see you again soon on the Top Order Podcast.